Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Take your Bible and, and uh, join me, if you would. Hi, Donald. Hi, Cheryl. Join me in uh, Matthew's Gospel, the sixth chapter. Matthew chapter number six. Last week, we uh, turned over to Exodus chapter 20, if you remember, and began to look at that list that has been labeled as the Ten Commandments. The very first, the very first commandment on that list, the very first one, was this, no other gods. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, Right? Now, you know this. You know there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing arbitrary with God. There's nothing random. There's no overthinking it, underthinking it, right? God is omniscient. What does that mean, class? He's what? He's all-knowing. So, if God's all-knowing, he's omniscient, that means he knows everything past, present, and future. Correct? So, when God, you know, is establishing the nation of Israel, and, he, and He's giving them uh, guidelines to live by, the Big Ten, and by the way, you know this, right? You know that the Ten Commandments are summary statements, right? It's a lifestyle, right? And we're not doing a study on the Ten Commandments, we're studying this. But, but those commands, they're, they're, they're guidelines to live by. And the very four, first four is, is dealing with our relationship with God. Correct? Do this. Come on, man. I know it's Wednesday night. Get up and do jumping jacks if you want. Uh, and then the second six is our relationship with... <laughs> yeah, thank you, Dave, with each other. Right? So our relationship with God, and then our relationship with each other. Right? And, and so what, what, what God does is this all-knowing, He's omniscient, the very, very first uh, command on the list is, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Being omniscient, right? God know, knew, knew, knows, He knew and knows our proneness to replace Him with something lesser. You agree? Huh? And I know this, man. I know this is the choir. I know I'm preaching to the choir. And, and you know, we would never admit that, you know, anything would ever take the place of God in our lives. But I think sometimes if we just paused and reflect and do a really good self-check, things get out of sorts. Right? And last week, we, we concluded uh, with some thoughts. We, we said this, that, you know, what makes God God in our lives is our focus. 
because whatever you worship is where your focus is at. Don't you agree? Right? And so if your focus is on, you know, your family and your job and your, it's kind of like, it's kind of like that, you heard me say this a few weeks ago in that generational truth message. It's like that priority list, right? We're always encouraged to have values, live by values, right? And have a good value system and then, and then prioritize your life. You know, and in the bigger, in the bigger scale, when you get that big priority list, you know, uh, you know, I remember being a young Christian going to, you know, church and trying to figure it all out. And so we've heard this many times, uh, Preacher Riddell, you know, God, you know, church, family, or God, family, church, or God was always at the top though, right? Not in reality, but in theory. And I remember one time thinking about this. So because I'm kind of methodical, I don't know if I'm OCD or not. I never, I never had a test. I've never been tested. Can you be tested for OCD? Can you? I just say that I am because I'm kind of orderly and, you know, but I don't really think I am. But anyway, I thought about this because I know how I am. If I had a list, I kind of like, like to, to, to check it off, right? So if I have a priority list, right, number one is God. So I, let me do the God thing in the morning. I get that done, right? Then work, let me go to work, and I get that done. Family, come home, family devotion, get that done. Then it's sports time. <laughs> get that done. Then it's kiss the wife and go to bedtime. Get that done. Right? Come on now, you're laughing, but the priority list. I mean, you're just knocking them off the list. Well, I got to get it done. got to get it done. And I thought about this. This is a while ago. I thought about if God, if that's the way it operates in my life, and I ch- checked off the God thing, and now I go to my next thing, I can't do my next thing without the God thing. Amen. Right? And so you know what I then did? I, I kind of reevaluated it. I, I kind of drew a circle, and an inner circle, and in the inner circle, kind of like a hub of a wheel, I put God, and then built everything around that. Are you with me? So that when I'm dealing with my family, it's a God thing, or at work, it's a God thing, or at play, it's a God thing, and I don't want to leave God out anywhere. Does that make sense? I firmly believe this, Donald, I believe this, that when God said in Exodus chapter number 20, thou shalt have no other gods before me, he meant it. He meant it, right? You believe that? (laughs) But isn't it true, and especially here in America, that we have made lesser things gods. And last week we went through the list, didn't we? And you all named out some things. I, th- I think if I'm, re- if I'm right, Barry was the very first person to raise his hand. Because I had asked, so what are some of the things that we make gods? To re-? And B- Barry raised his hand and said, money. Money. Yeah. money. And I think, I think many of us would agree money can become a god. In fact, and I didn't make up the list, but if you were to go and look up a list of things that people worship, money is at the top of the list. It may not be in your life, but it is at the top of the list. So let's do this tonight. Let's talk, let's talk a little bit about money. Money. How many of you have enough? How many of us would like some more? Let me say this right up front. Liking to have some more, wanting to have some more is not a sin. Okay? Just don't get overwhelmed by it if you don't get it. 
could I pray for it? I don't know. That's another story. We'll have to talk about that another time. But let's talk about money uh, just for a little. What is money? Think about it for a second. I mean, we're born in a world that almost immediately, as soon as, you know, you're able to kind of put two and two together, you're confronted with the idea of money. But what is money, Barry? What'd you have for breakfast? Oh, okay. That's pretty good, Barry. How many of you were expecting that to come out of Barry's mouth? That's pretty good. He's surprised, yeah. I'm proud of you, Barry. That's pretty good, man. Technically, right? Technically, money is a medium of exchange. And you hit it right on the head. It's an agreed-upon amount. In fact, if you think about it, it's, it's really become a replacement for bartering or trading, you know? And so no longer is it, you know, a goat for a cow or a door for a window or a cup of flour for a cup of sugar, right? Now, I know in some smaller economies and some places in the world, they still do that, right? I come, I pastored down south for the last 10 years, and there's a lot of that in what, you know, you would call inner, inner Florida, you know, uh, where people still come and fix your car, you paint their door, you know. Uh, I'll cut your lawn and, you know, you take my kids to school for the next three years. Uh, you know, that kind of thing, you know. And that works, that's okay, but, but really when you talk about money, it's just that medium. Now, let me say this about money. Money is amoral. You know what that means? What does that mean? Amoral. I didn't say immoral. Right? Amoral. John? It's, it's objective. It's just an objective thing. It's just a, it has no uh, bearing on the whatsoever on It has no life of itself. Right? right? Money's not good. Money's not bad. Right? It's amoral. Barry? No morals? You think? Consult with your wife again. <laughs> uh, I understand where you're going with that, but really what, it, what it's talking about is this. Let me put it this way. Money is not greedy and money is not charitable. Money does not have a life of its own. Mo money only does what you make it do. Right? Yeah? Josh? We can acquire a lot of money like Scrooge McDuck. It really has no value unless you put it to work. I would say money is energy. Money is energy? It, yeah, it is. It can be good or bad energy, right? But it's, it's amoral. It's what you do with it that makes the difference. Right? And so, um, having money is not wrong. Right? Having a lot of money is not wrong. But loving money is wrong. Isn't that what he said in 1 Timothy chapter number 6? The love of money, right? He didn't say having money. You can't, you can't really live in this world without money, right? It's what, you know, it's what we need to, to operate in this exchange, correct? But we need to understand. So what's the Bible have to say about it? You know, the Bible speaks often about money. 
Look at this text of Scripture that we've selected for tonight. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Louis says here, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. And look at the last statement. You cannot serve God and mammon. Or we would say it this way. We would say, you can't worship God and money. Same thing. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot worship God and money. Right? That's what Jesus is saying to his disciples. His disciples, were, they were overwhelmed. You know, he's teaching them the Sermon on the Mount, and they've just left their, their careers, their money-making opportunity to support their families, and now they're trusting him. And, and they're worrying about, you know, the common things, food and clothing. And that's when he says to them in this text of Scripture, take no thought, verse 31, what you shall eat or what you shall drink or what you shall be clothed. All these things do the Gentiles seek or those that are unsaved. Right? But then he goes on and he says this in verse 33, seek ye first kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. You with me? But the whole idea is this, what he's trying to get them to understand is this, if you're going to trust me, if you're going to worship me, then it's got to be solely placed, you know, in that direction. It can't be, be split up. You can't worship two gods, in other words. And so when you read through, when you read through the text of the New Testament, here's what you find. Now pay attention to this. 16 out of 38 parables that Jesus taught were taught on the subject of money or possessions. 16 out of 38. And, and then you, if you continue on with some of these statistics, nearly 25% of Jesus' words in the New Testament deals with biblical stewardship. 25% of his words dealing with biblical stewardship. Uh, one out of 10 verses in the gospel deals with money. And so in essence, I guess what it comes down to uh, is this, with, when it comes to money, you either worship wealth or worship with your wealth, but you can't do both, right? Some people worship their money and some people use their money to worship with. And that's what we do when we take the offerings on Sunday, right? It's a, it's a form of worship. You know, we're trusting God and giving back. And that's where Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Correct? So we can talk about money, 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 but what is the Bible? What is the, what is the Bible? What is the best viewpoint, vantage point from Scripture? What's the Bible say about money? Let me give you three suggestions this evening, maybe something you can take with you. First of all, the Bible says this, money is about stewardship. Money is about stewardship. Uh, we remind a couple of weeks back, I preached that message on generational giving, and the text for that that Bible study or that message was Psalm 24, 1, where it says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those that dwell therein. In other words, here's what we said, everything belongs to God. It all belongs to Him. I belong to Him. And you belong to Him. You know, the psalmist puts it in perspective where he says, you know, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he owns the hills. All the silver and gold is mine, the Lord says. So it all belongs to him, right? And, 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 and knowing that, knowing that God owns it all, the Bible doesn't, you know, the Bible doesn't speak about money 
uh, in dealing with, you know, us as children as a result of need. It's not like God needs our resources, right? I remember when I first started to go to church and was encouraged to tithe. I'll tell you how long ago it was. I was making $250 a week. Uh, and I had, and we were, me and Mrs. Genizzi were married, and we had our daughter, Nicole. 250 bucks a week. And we were able to pay our bills. I mean, we, were, we didn't qualify for being poor, you know, because you, you got to qualify to be poor. We didn't even qualify to be poor, you know, 250 bucks a week. But my tithe was on 250 bucks a week. That was quick. $25, right? And so God requires the tithe, doesn't he? Right? Come on, class. God requires the tithe, you know? And so when I, when I started going to church, started hearing this, I wanted to be right with God. I really did. But $25, you know, I was making $250, is a lot for me, you know? And I thought this, good grief, 25 bucks for me, you know, by the end of the week gets me to payday. It puts five hours of gas in the tank, you know, buy some milk, bread, and eggs, you know, and I can at least have $10 in my pocket for an emergency, you know, 25 bucks. Lord, you know I need it more than you do. <laughs> Did you ever try that reasoning? And, and look here, the fact of the matter is when God requires of us tithing or when God speaks to us about money, it's not out of necessity. It's not because God needs it. It's because God already owns it, and he wants to teach us how to manage it. Did you get that? And so when we're looking through Scripture and reading, you know, about money in the Bible, money is about stewardship when, in God's economy, you know? And God is trying to teach us that he owns it all, and he wants to use stewardship to motivate us to manage what he gives us. And stewardship is all about what word would we use to define stewardship other than managing? Accountability. It's all about accountability, right? And here's what we believe. Don't we believe that one day we're going to give an account to God for how we use what he's given us? And part of that is our finances, our money. Amen? I don't, you look so guilty tonight for some reason. It's not, I'm not going to get mean in the message. I'm just doing a Bible study about money, and you feel like I feel like I'm serving you up some poison. It's going to be okay, you know? I know it's a touchy subject, isn't it? Money. I'm not trying to get more out of you or less out of you. Just trying to teach you what the Bible teaches. And so God, God desires you and I to properly manage his resources, Listen, listen to what he said to Job. Look at this. I love this text. He's speaking to Job. This is at the end of Job's life, where now God's got to step in and say, hey, hey, Job, now you're, you're getting a little bit You know, for a while, God defended Job, but then after a while, God had to put Job in his place. You're aware of that, right? And, and God says to Job, so let me ask you, who, has, who hath pre uh, uh, prevented me that I should repay him? Whatsoever is under the whole heaven is is mine. That's a pretty good attitude to live with. You know, I remember hearing it all because I grew up in an independent Baptist church. And back in the day when they said, 
boy, all, all that preacher preaches about is money. Eh, there was a lot of truth in that, you know? And on a regular month of Sundays, you know, you'd hear the gospel, you know, six times and sermons about money, you know, three times. And it was all about, you know, making sure you give, making sure you give. And man, it just was a weight and they just kind of pounded it in you, you know? But listen, the fact of the matter is, you know, we need to have the right attitude when it comes to money because it's all God's and how we manage it is important. And so stewardship provides the motivation to manage properly. So when you look at the Bible, in New Testament especially, and you look at money from a biblical standpoint, viewpoint, it's about stewardship. But not only that, I want you to see this, it's about discipleship. Money's about discipleship as well. Uh, we noted this or earlier that money is amoral. It only does what we command it to do. It doesn't have a life of its own, right? So you know what, you know what in the Bible what you find a lot of times money connected with? Discipleship. In other words, money is a tool God uses to help you and I live and love like Jesus. Huh? Let me show you how that works. Uh, do you, you ever come to a place in your life where at times your budget's tight? And I know what you just thought, what budget? Huh? Right? I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, you know, you're raising, you got families here, you got three, four, five kids. That's ah, tough, man. And then a lot of these, these families have their children going to private schools, Christian schools, and got to pay tuition, right? And so it's, that's difficult. That's costly, you know? And then you live in the great state of New Jersey where the taxes are more than your mortgage right? And so it gets costly, doesn't it? Right? I get it. And so sometimes the budget, you know, the budget's tight. There's just not enough money to go around. Correct? So how, how could, how is God, you know, why doesn't God just, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe, possibly, just maybe, God is allowing the budget to be a little tight or the money to get the funds to dry up just a little bit because he's trying to stretch you. You ever realize that God sometimes tries to stretch us? He tries to stretch our faith? Hello? And I, I don't know, for some reason, for me, you know, it was always with that money thing, or I didn't have enough to pay the bills, or I couldn't, you know, hate to make that phone call, right? Checks in the mail, never even left your desk. You send it out without a signature on, oh, Send it back, I forgot to, you know, doesn't work that way. So maybe God is trying to teach us a lesson of trust, correct? Because he wants us to trust him and not our bank account, not our employer. I think some people think this, if I just had more money, I could live self-sufficiently and I wouldn't have to, why, trust God? Huh? And then there's those times when you have a little extra. Did you ever have a little extra? No? You don't let them have it, right, Carol? Remember this? Have a little extra, you know, and say, wow, maybe this week we can, we can what? We can what? So when you have a little extra, again, it's all about discipleship. Money's about stewardship. Money's about discipleship. We have a little extra. What do we do? Do we save it? Do we give it? Do we spend it? <laughs> huh? 
Are you with me? Money. What do we do with it? Again, you know, Jesus taught this, where your treasure is there will your heart be also. You see it there? Right, let's read the whole text. Sell that you have and give alms. Provide yourself bags which wax not old, a treasure in, in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your be also. Correct? So money in the Bible is about stewardship, and it's about discipleship. And then, and then money in the Bible is about worship. Worship. Your God is who or what you worship. Right? Yeah. And, and worship, now pay attention here, worship is all about focus. So, who or what you worship is the focus of your life. Say amen right there. Yeah. And so, I know we go to church, and I know we sing songs, and we listen to preaching, and we do our devotions, but what is your life focused on? Somebody said this about character. Character can be determined by what it takes to stop you. And for some, it doesn't take much. Right? It doesn't take much. Well, for us as Christians... When you think about worship, and if worship is what we focus our life on, who and what we focus our life on, even though we go to church and maybe read our Bible, and is our life really focused on God? Is He at the hub, and is everything built around Him? Right? And I can really get nitpicky here, and I'm not going to. But that's something we need to determine in our own personal lives. Right? I think this, I think when it comes to money, money has become a God for many because it's the focus of their lives. And all people do is this. They look for ways to make more. They look for ways to invest more. They look for ways to spend more. There are people that have so much money they just don't know how to spend it. You know? And then you take, you take people that have gotten under good principles of Scripture, like a man like Russell, uh, um, um, Russell Anderson. You know Russell Anderson, Dr. Dr. Uh, Riddell? Russell Anderson, did you ever hear Anderson Windows? Yeah. Dr. Russell Anderson, the owner of Anderson Windows, got saved, made all this money, and got under the authority of the Word of God. Did you ever hear Hiles Anderson College? Yeah. You know who the Anderson is? Russell Anderson, the window guy. And you know what he did? He used his fortune to fund a college so that young men and young ladies can go and get an education. He gave millions upon millions upon millions of dollars to not just Hiles Anderson College, but then other colleges. Hmm? I have missionary friends, one that we support, a dear friend of mine, Walter Stevens, the Roma ministry told me just in the church in the missions conference not long ago in Ohio, church wanted to get their budget up to a million dollars for missions. The church gives a million dollars a year to missions. Isn't that awesome? Huh? And so they got up to a certain amount, and man, Brother Walter just wanted to see that church reach, and so a fellow in the church just came over, and he said, what were you lacking? 
and they were lacking tens of thousands of dollars. And that fellow just said, you just made your budget. Huh? Isn't that awesome? See, that's somebody who realizes that they're not going to work for their money. They're going to have their money work for them, and they're going to use what they have to advance the kingdom of Almighty God. I remember back in 1980, uh, 1992, we were getting ready to build a brand new building at our church. And uh, we, wanted to, we wanted to build it debt-free. We didn't want to, we want to, we didn't, and so we just start raising money, raising money, raising money. And it was amazing how we raised it. I promise you, this is what we did. My grandfather is, uh, he was an artist, and he crafted for us out of cardboard and, and wood, basso wood, a replica of the building that we were building. I mean, it looked just like it. And he allowed the roof to come off of it. You know, it was an A-frame roof. We would lift the roof. And so every Sunday, every Sunday, we would, we'd have ushers that would come and put that building right out in front of the, the pulpit. And uh, we'd take the roof off, and we'd sing, I forget, maybe a little as much when God is in us that we sang down back then. And people would get up, and little boys and girls would get up and put their nickels and dimes and quarters and sometimes their allowance. And I never, I never called for double tithe Sunday, give your paycheck Sunday. I never called for that. I never did. I'm not saying I'm, I'm against it, but I just never did. Because I couldn't do it. <laughs> I couldn't give my whole paycheck. I wasn't even making enough to pay my bills to begin with. I couldn't call up the electric company and say, hey, guess what? I just gave my whole paycheck to the charge. Rejoice with me. They would have said, sure but you're going to have to do it in the dark. <laughs> so I never did that, and we didn't do that, but I guess, guess what happens? Every once in a while, there'd be a check in there for 15000 25000 50000 There's one guy who came along, and he said, you know, I have an inheritance, and I'm going to go and ask, you know, my parents if they'll give it to me now because I want to give it to the book. One lady came in my office one day and she said, she said, Preacher, how much, how, much, how much more do we need? I said, I think we need about $100,000. She said, is that what we need? I said, uh-huh. She says, we don't need that anymore. She gave me a check for $100,000. Isn't that awesome? And I thought to myself, I am pastoring some of the greatest people in all the world because God has got a hold of their heart. See, when God gets a hold of your heart, He gets a hold of everything else. Right? I'll never forget we, before, this is way even before we started to build that building, I went to this church in 1988. There were 17 people there. 17 people, Doc, voted me in. Unanimous vote. 17 people. The other 17 left, but them 17 that stayed voted yes. <laughs> <laughs> we had 35 in Sunday school. It was awesome. It was great. And, uh, and man, we, we, we just needed to expand. We needed to break out some walls. The first year, we had 125. By the second year, we were running 250. And so we needed to, and I, I said this, and we didn't have anything. They were paying me very, very little bit of money, and we didn't have anything in the bank. And so I said, I, we had one deacon. I said to this one deacon, I said, here's what we need to do. We need to pray. We need $10,000. We need to pray and ask God to give us $10,000. This is 1988. $10,000 back then was a lot of money. Yeah. And here's exactly what he said to me, Will. He said, can we pray for that much money? <laughs> I said, yeah, man. I said, we can pray for more, but we only need 10. I said, so let's pray. And so we prayed. He and I and our wives, the only ones, we just prayed. We only had one deacon at the time. And we prayed and prayed and prayed. i never forget this. One Sunday morning, finished preaching. 
went to my office, and I went to sit down, and behind my desk was a little box about that big, and it was gift-wrapped and had a little card on it. And back then, you know, people would bake me cookies and things like that, and, you know, and they'd put them there. And so I went to my office, I picked up the box, I put it aside. Somebody came to my door, said, Preacher, you got a minute? I said, sure. Came in, sat down, we talked for a little bit. That person left. I tied it up my desk, was going to go home and have lunch. And I looked over there, I said, ooh, maybe some cookies. <laughs> and so I unwrapped, I, I looked at, first I opened up the card, you know, and just a little, little card, and I, it was the lighthouse on the front of it, a little lighthouse, and I opened up the, and it just said inside, it just said this, we, we praise God for you, send the light. No name. Hmm. Well, praise the Lord. Let me get to those cookies. And I peeled back the paper, and I flipped the lid of the box, and I looked in, and there were two stacks of $20 bills. And I closed the lid, and I looked around the office. <laughs> I thought somebody set me up, man. Somebody set me up, and I opened it up again, I took one out. Now, you got, I was 28 years old, this is my first church, been pastoring there all of about six, seven months, praying for $10,000, never prayed for that much money in all my life. Put it back in. I called the deacon and said, hey, did you put a box in my office? He said, what are you talking about? I said, somebody put a box in my office. He said, what's in it? I said, you're not going to believe it. He said, what's in it? I said, two stacks of $20 bills. He said, What? I said, uh-huh. He said, I'm on my way over. I said, no, I'm going to put it away. I'm going to go home, have lunch. I'll meet you back here at 4 o'clock. And I went home. I couldn't wait to get back to my office, man. I couldn't take a nap that day. And I went back. I took a stack. He took a stack. I got on one part of the floor. He got on the other. We started counting, and it came to 10,020. There was an extra $20 bill. And I thought for sure they put it, it was in there for a tip, $10 each. <laughs> I said, no, we better just, and I'll never forget going to the pulpit that night, Bob said, hey, praise the Lord, guess what happened? Somebody put a box of money in my office, $10,020. And that was the start of seeing God do some unbelievable things through God's people. Amen. Amen? I just left the church in Florida to where it was filled with a number of senior citizens who had done well for themselves. They lived during a time where you got pensions and you saved money and your money grew and they had money in the bank. So that whenever really we had a project, for example, I no sooner got there and we needed to finish the balcony. The balcony was $175,000. And I said, folks, we can't, we can't keep having two churches here. We need to finish that balcony. It's gonna cost us $175,000. Let's just raise the money and finish it. We raised the money in less than a month. The balcony got finished. And then we had, we had these old buildings that we needed to renovate. Again, we need to renovate these buildings, but we, don't have, we, we, we can't make a loan. We already got a loan on this, on this building. We can't borrow any money. We need $250,000. We raised another $250,000. Renovated the buildings. Huh? And then, then I said, we need new roofs, and the roofs, man, they're just old, and we've got to roof this whole thing. It's going to cost us $155,000. We need to... And then they came to me one time and said, Preacher, we need a new tour bus. The seniors. You know, we go all these different trips. We're tired of that old bus. I said, well, you want, to know, you want a new bus? You're going to have to buy it. You know? And I said, oh. So you know what we did? My seniors pastor, he went and got the bus, pulled it up on the parking lot, Craig, on a Sunday so that all the seniors can see it. Started up, had the air conditioning cranking, had the music playing inside, and he had all the seniors coming in and out. That was on a Sunday. On Monday, I was sitting in my office, right, Donna? Donna was the receptionist back then. And one person after the other were coming into my office with their checkbooks open. And it was neat because 
after the first person, the second person came in and said, uh, Pastor, I just wanted to ask you a question. Sure, what is it? How much do we need for that bus? I had the checkbook open. I said, well, that bus is paid for, but if I need a new car, if you feel a little... <laughs> what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say this. These people that I'm talking about got under the burden of Scripture and understand what money's all about. Huh? It's stewardship. It's discipleship. It's worship. And when we give to God, it's a means of worship. Amen? Amen? You know, again, I said this last week. I'm going to say it again tonight. Some of these messages on Wednesday night, I should be preaching on Sunday morning so that everybody hears this. Because it's not going to be real long before I'm going to say, hey, folks, we need $300,000 to get that parking lot finished. Right? right? We, you know, let's do, it's our parking lot. That's right. This is God's building. God's got $300,000. Where is it at? It's in our pockets. You know, we just got to find it. It's there someplace. Are you with me? And then, you know, we, we just need to get, and we got to do this, and this has got to get done, and it's never ending. But when you get burdened for God's work, and somebody rises up that you would never imagine, and just write you a check for this, or write, why? They're worshiping God. They love God. They want to advance His kingdom. They don't, want to, they don't want to spend it on foolish things. Are you with me? And God just has a way of taking care of us that way. Let me give you one key to success in the Bible when it comes to all of this. Here's the key success. Are you ready? It's one word. It's the word contentment. Contentment. And here's what our brother Paul said about that. He said, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. And when you read the whole text, he talks about, you know, knowing how to abound and knowing how to be without. And, but here's what I learned through it all, to be content to be content. And I like what the psalmist said. He said, a little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many. Wicked. Right? Amen? No other gods. That's the key. No other gods. Our God's omniscient knows the pull and power of things like money. You know? And he knows how he can get a sidetrack to where that's all we think about. And so early on, he, he gives us a command to have no other gods in our life. The temptation's there but we need to make sure we use money and don't let money use us. It's kind of like the old preacher used to say. He used to say this, all money is tainted. Taint yours, taint mine. <laughs> Belongs to the Lord. Amen? No other gods. Money. Bible, vantage point, viewpoint. Money is about stewardship, discipleship, and worship. And if we'll keep it in that perspective, we'll be doing well. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to talk a little bit tonight about money and the use of it, the, the principle of Scripture about money and how we see it in the Bible and how we're to use it, how to be wise and uh, not worship it, but allow it to help us worship you and use it to worship you. Help us to be good managers of what you give us, the resources you place within our authority, within our, our boundaries, and help us to use it wisely. Lord, we love you, praise you. We ask you tonight to dismiss us with your blessing. We do think about those who are not here because of sickness, being laid up by affliction, and we want them to know that we love them and pray for them. If they're watching the services tonight, they're on our hearts. And I pray that you help them to recover and, and get better and get back real soon. Dismiss us with blessings. Keep our property safe. Hedge the boys and girls and teenagers outdoors. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. 
Amen. God bless you, church. Have a great night. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you can give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.